Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. So when um, when we left on Thursday, um, obviously you went your way and I went mine. I uh, I ended up in a bar with some student from Liverpool. Mm. Just at this point, the 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 last chain had broken off, uh, and, and the power down and stuff. So they chucked us out at crew, and I had like a two hour delay till my next chain. And I sent you photos, didn't I? Of yep. two stations and stuff, and it was absolutely manic. We still like the seventh circle of hell. It was fucking ridiculous. Yep. Like it's a train station that looked like the the cops' last stand. Do you know what I mean? It was fucking <laughs> it was absolutely fucking nuts. Um, and then I'm in there. I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to the bar. So I went to the bar and I get to the front. No, no car machine. Brilliant, fantastic, thank you very much. Upstairs, got some money out, got back down, queued up again for another 15 minutes, got myself a beer. Some guy comes over, I'm sat on the table for you, he sit there, yeah, of course, mate, just sit there. Had a, had a few pints, like, we're talking on and off, he's just using blah, blah, blah. I'm sitting there looking at my phone, and he stands up, and he does that look over your shoulder, like he's something naughty is about to happen here, like... He goes and fucking mines, sweeps the bar, doesn't he? Like, three quarters of a fucking pint, he comes back with it. I'm, st- <laughs> I'm still coming back with I'm, st- I'm looking at my phone and I'm smiling at this point. I'm pissing myself, laughing inside. And he and he pulls his jumper down over his hands and rims his glass like he's a fucking professional glass cleaner now. Mm. And starts drinking this fucking pint. These guys were on the way to Wales, Scotland, in the rugby. They were fucking hammered, wearing wigs and all kinds of ridiculous time on a Thursday afternoon. They're essentially, they're, the great, they're exactly the type of people you don't nick a pint off. He, that lad has got some probably got some amazing facial herpes going on right now <laughs> yeah, off the back of that probably, like. he's not got facial hair but like me yeah. um, but the second part of my story I went for a piss right and there's a massive queue in the men's toilet and it sounds no problem I'm used to Anfield on a match day mm-hmm. I can queue with the best of them for the toilet and the fellas there oh it's like the ladies this isn't it which is like the comical which is the, line, the standard line like yeah, yeah and then I'm having a piss there's two your Arnold's one next to each other. They're not the ones that join up. They're the ones that are stood next to each other and some guy bursts through the door. I'm going to have to go now, lads. I'm going. You're just going to have to let me go. He only barges in onto the cubicle next to me as the guy's standing having a piss. And I'm like, this is not right. And I'm sort of like, I hear him battling through and I'm panicking in case he's coming to my urinal. At this point, I've stopped pissing. I've got stage fright. I'm like, he's going to think I'm taking the piss here. Do you know what I mean? So I sort of shuffle over and, and sort of push him that way towards the other guy. And he stands and I was a piss in the urinal with the other guy. And I was like, no, it's too much for me. He... I can't finish this. I'm going home. So we cropped. So we cross the streams. I don't know whether he did they have a sword. Did they have a sword fight? I don't know. <laughs> what type of a man does that? A man who desperately needs a, a wee. 
I think he There's did a this, sink there. I think he did something similar with a with a poo once at the at a BDI concert, but that's another story for another day. Um, it wasn't just one. It wasn't just one. Eighteen, um, by the way. So to welcome to everyone to the Red Men TV podcast episode number two. Uh, for those of you on the Red Men TV or watching this in video form, we're giving you a wave right now. You can see. Actually, this is more for the people who are listening. We're waving to the people who are watching it on the Red Men TV Anyway, um, this will be. In the, the, I'd listen to a lot of podcasts. I've not heard that joke done that way around it yeah. was much funnier that way around right. everyone always mentions the video people yeah but it is it's, there you go it's, it's all just, description. just to explain what about what we're doing for the people who are listening it's brilliant That's well, getting, that gets lost a lot in translation i think you're right um got a load of your questions to get through later on we're going to be discussing obviously liverpool leicester as well which is should be loads of fun we've done an hour on that on the final word which is tremendous uh so we're going to do even more of it now tom can you get can you get me my clock back as well yeah, Tom's going to find me my clock and all things will be good. Um, <laughs> so, yes, uh, first and foremost, before I do ask that, I go to the, the, the first question to kick us off. Um, I've badly underbrewed my cup of tea. By the way, we wanted oh, to get this done. You want to go home because you're not well. And I, I hope you know that I've 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 underbrewed this in the interests of getting through. And then, of course, what happened that, is Tom spent that, 10 see, minutes sticking around. That's annoyed me that you do that. I mean, it's nice that you do that for a friend of yours. You've not done that for me in any way, shape, or form you've done that because you shit at making brews oh no I, I've I had to squeeze the tea bag anyway anyway I, I fully I, I had to say it's a time shaver okay. you can't allow to brew you've got to this is why it. I stack my toilet roll up next to the toilet stack it just yeah, loosely just, stack just, it or no, do you have no, one of the holders just fold it over and pile it up next to you so when you're ready you you, you know what I mean when, when do you do where, at what point of the day do you do this oh whilst pooing yeah you prepare, you're already yeah, preparing yeah, your bunker. Yeah, of course I am. And then wow. it's just the last one, pick it up, wipe, spin, throw, flush, hands, go. It's all about efficiencies, Paul, and life. That's the love. toilet life hack. Well done. There's your underbrew tea all over the table. There's my underbrew tea gone. Um, we, we do need a bigger table. Again, for those of you listening, the table we're on is really small. Um, so, first question um, of the week comes <clears throat> from Kyle Spaulding, uh, Kyle Tier. Spalding, not or, or Kyle T.S. Alding, um, if you will, um, on Twitter. He asks, if you could go on holiday with one player, who would it be and where would you go? Ooh, right, okay. So it's a similar vein to last week. Yeah, like last then, week. For those who listened last week, one though, we, we, based on the little manga thing, we had to pick which of the Liverpool players we would want to room with if it was drawn out of a hat. But this isn't Liverpool. I didn't hear the word Liverpool in that question. no. You didn't. I mean, do you want to pick a player outside of Liverpool on the I opening question on the Liverpool podcast? Would, I would desperately like to feed off Pirlo's just cast-offs. Like, because he's getting women thrown at him all day, and I'll happily Who's hold on to his... throwing the women at him? Anyone, all of them themselves. <laughs> the mothers. Them picking themselves up and just throwing them at him. Some sort of large woman launching trebuchet or something. That like sounds it. epic, boy. <laughs> No, seriously, I'm happy with his seconds, you know what I mean? I didn't, you know what? That guy must get some women. And fair play to him, he's a talented, good-looking motherfucker. And I would happily go out for a pint with him. I'd, You know what, him, Buffon, some of those, like, Paolo Maldinis, some of those great-looking... Actually, Buffon's not great-looking. Um, some Buffon's of those good-looking good looking Italian men must just get it, and I, I, I would love to get it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in in the on the off chance that you know Pelo and Co are happily married, um, not to cast any aspersions. Well, that's even better for me, isn't it? Well, there you go. Yeah, they need something to someone. You'd be like a 
like a shield. I'd be like a penetration I'd be like shield. A fisherman with a big net as these women are launching themselves. You grab them with I the net. I have scene. Do you, do you Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? I think Kevin Costner launches himself over the wall of a castle. I kind of have it see like like yeah, be interesting. Um, but in terms of Liverpool, Am players, I made where, in that? where are you going? You can be maybe you can be wherever you want to be. It's fine. That's it. Listen. Listen again. It's my bad. You didn't have to. You didn't have to pick a, a non Liverpool player, and you can be whoever you want. It's, in your it's Marbella. It's Marbella. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I've never been there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to be lending money off Pela. Well, I'd never be able to afford to go to Marbella. I, I'm of the. It's near Malaga. I've been to Malaga. So, like last week, I picked Simon Mignolet as my roommate because he's really boring. I but in terms of a holiday, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want anyone active eventually. Don't like that. Um, I don't know. I'd say to bend it. I wouldn't mind it being Klopp just for the just for the for, for the crack of it. Like I think he'd, he'd be a good because you go to like like one of those like eighteen thirty style places. You go like kind of like you say with Marbella, just somewhere really shit like the Costa del Sol. We're probably shit where they sell Heinz baked beans and and, and Los Cabri's fingers on your full English breakfast. Exactly, and um, all that all that biff. And I, and I, I think he'd make it bearable. I think he would make that incredibly fun. I think fun. I think going camping with Klopp would be fun because I think he's the kind of guy who sniffs his fingers after he's touched his bum. And I think he'd like he'd like. I just think that'd be funny to see him do that because I think he'd go, and you'd be like. <laughs> He's sniffing his fingers while he's. Well, yeah. If you go, if you want that as a guarantee, surely, surely it's Yogi Low. You're going for, you know, just if you if that's what you're looking for specifically. Well, in a camping holiday, not in a kind of Marbella style holiday. Don't gamble. That's that's who you're going for. You know that's in his repertoire. Um, So (laughs) let's start Liverpool. uh, we've done that. Those of you who watched it, congratulations! Uh, the final word show we did the best part of an hour talking about this, but it's, it's worth making mention of it. Obviously, we do that every single week uh, for people who are new to Redmen TV and because the whole podcast and thing. Uh, it's worth picking up. I think a lot of people we ask for questions on this because a lot of people saying the same, asking the same sort of things. Um, why? Why? Why is the form so bad? What's going? What? What's going wrong? Is it time to question the ownership? Yada yada yada. I think first and foremost. This is Liverpool Leicester, and that result is history repeating itself. It's another example of a team that are, you know, relegation threatened, mm-hmm. and we've gone and basically, with with maybe a touch of disrespect to the, our opposition, we've essentially given them three points. We're handing three points out like sweet to the pedo party in, in terms of like rubbish teams. Vardy's taking them. Vardy's taking the sweets. From the pedo party and probably taking it to his look, Britain look, first party or whatever. Getting, getting onto the football and stuff like it was a it was a terrible performance. You used the word diabolical and I, I think that perfectly summed it up yeah. in your match reaction. To be honest with you, I think you know we were we played with a naivety that I don't expect from this Liverpool side, but I have seen on occasion this season. Uh, it's not the first time that we've played to a team's strengths. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to be the last time that we play to a team's strengths either. Um, we need to. Showing maturity about our football, that we we understand that 
we can play in different ways against different types of teams. And one thing that's levelled at Liverpool a lot this season, and you know, we're not the first people to level, I'm certainly not anyway, is that Liverpool play the same way regardless of their opposition. Yeah. I think Jamie Carragher said it on Monday Night Football last mm-hmm. night, famously as well. And that that is a real shame and a real worry because I think we've got clever players, we've got very clever footballers, as proven by the fact that they can play in multiple positions around the pitch. Yet even when we they they are able to play in multiple positions around the pitch, we seem to play in one dimension only and we make the angles of attack very easy for an opposition defence to sort of counter we seem to play on one one plane almost um, and the opposition teams the really good ones certainly the likes of Chelsea the likes of Tottenham have a couple of different planes that they can play on and yeah. a couple of different avenues and, and angles to attack from and Liverpool just seems to be very very static now which is, is crazy to think because the first four months of the season all we saw was fluidity um, but we did say at the time it's organised chaos and when you break the chaos mm. down it is organisation it's all part of a plan exactly and, and because it's all part of a plan and because they're not thinking on the cuff and stuff the opposition defences have got wise to the little tricks that we, we, we used to exploit um, and in a defensive sense again just terrible you mm. can't believe and um Lucas Slaver up against Jamie Vardy in space. Yeah, it, it's just ridiculous. That's the thing. What, what all this boils down to, and it was mentioned on the on, on the telly, and I think Cara said, like not hanging Lucas Slaver out to dry. He doesn't. He's not picking himself. Um, is he's not a, If we've seen plenty of examples where we've said, look, he's not a centre half. So dot dot dot. Now I I I, I can make excuses for that. Um, under certain circumstances. So like last season when we played Watford and we had we had it was it Skirtle that got injured? We got injuries or whatever. Came on away the away game. Yeah, and, and, and Lucas came on at centre half and he covered and he did a fantastic job. And I think whenever he's asked to deputise, like in the last minute when you know someone pulls out the day before on the morning of the game and you drop Lucas Lever and I think he performs admirably, but. This is the problem, and you always find this with, with, with talk about like the rhythm of football and, and understanding your role, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, Lucas Lever now has, a, play, has played enough football centre half that it's not like a shock; it's not a mm. surprise. So, opposition, it's it, it's an issue that our opposition can now plan for and look to target, and and I think that's where we fell down because we, you know, we, again we did this on the on, on the final way, but I think that. I talked about like how talk about tactically and how we set up and stuff. I just think so many of our problems came from losing individual battles in the defence, and that comes from <clears throat> the fact that matter is that back four, you know, Klein, Matter, uh, Lucas, and Milner, and much like Liverpool in general sense, when it's working, it's great. It covers a multitude of sins when you're playing really well and you're scoring loads of goals. But when you boil it down, that back four, I you know de- definitely two of that back four. You would not, if you had the money to just go out and solve all your all your problems, two of that back four would be nowhere near that that back so four. So you're saving Matip and Klein. I'm saving Matip and Klein, and even then, I think Matip still needs a full season to see where he's at and beyond, and beyond that. You know, we'll see the best of him next season, I think. And Nathaniel Klein, I think, is brilliant as a as a right back, but we, you know, again, he's not. Depends what you're looking for, of course. Like, but he's probably one up there with the best. Just Standard right backs, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's, he's not world class. Is he? You know what I mean? That's the the kind of thing. If, in, if for how we play football, etc., etc., etc. I think what, what I'm driving at, and even include the goalkeeper who I thought was really good, that defence 
is it's just not it's not very good, is it? You know that, and that's 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 where we we've fallen flat in it again. That and we've fallen far of the quality in our squad. Mm. Why have Ragnar Clavin? What's the point? What's the point of him if, if you can't bring a defender into playing defence, etc., etc.? I think this is where we're, where we're struggling is the strength of the squad overall. You need to just you just need we just need a we just need some better players. I think maybe could be the problem. I think look, you, you you've made a case there for two of the back four. I'd say that's three of the back five that we're looking to mm. really change. Um, I can see deputies for at least five others, if not. And I say deputies, and what I really mean is challenges for those positions, not mm-hmm. like clear backups. I think we need to have a different skill set to come up against different types of sides. And, you know, the Firmino, Mane, Coutinho, as good as it is when it's firing, to just have some variation well, in the style of play would be great. The point, yeah, the point, yeah I think you're spot on, because here's, here's, the, here's the point. Does uh, Lucas or Clavan? Going to play their way in ahead of Matip or Lovren? No, no, you know. So if they're not, I get it because this is this is an unusual. It is an unusual season to some extent, you know, in terms of having a certain number of players on your books and having to balance player expectation in terms of game time with development, with giving players the minutes they need to to, to become better footballers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So like, I, I have no, I have no problem with, I, I one of having one of Clavan. Or Lucas, I think, is acceptable in that situation, and I do wonder. It makes you wonder about the Gomez thing. And again, we've said this in the past. If if we're looking at Liverpool as a long term project, and it means and Joe Gomez is able to start next season and be that, because I think he's got the tools to be a really good mm-hmm. centre half, a very good footballer for Liverpool. He's got, I think, he's got the lot. Um, if that's the case, then great. But it's very difficult to disassociate yourself from wanting to. Not even I don't even want the world this season, but I want a degree of success. I'd like us to be able to put our best players on the pitch, and it makes it does make you wonder why. How is our squad just very poorly balanced in terms of quality? It looks like we've got once again in a situation where we've got like twelve players, thirteen, who are. First team quality, and then you've got the rest. Now, I, I, I mean, I'm talking a lot here, but mercifully, a few of those now are on the fringes are promising young players, which is better than I think than being talentless journeymen, which we've had in the past. So I think it bodes well. But I do worry that exactly what you're saying there is that at the minute, the players who should be knocking on the door are not knocking loud enough. Yeah. They're not even up the garden path, mate. Um, I think. <laughs> One of the things that I'd like to see from the, from from this Liverpool side, with regards to and what I'm sorry, it's not what I'd like to see. It's more what I hope has mm-hmm. happened, is that we've gone. Let's not spend all our money this season, and this is this is like my ideal situation. Mm-hmm. Klopp's gone. I think I can get in the Champions League with what we've got without burdening the clubs with players who are of a quality that aren't good enough for us to to exist in mm-hmm. that competition on a, on a, and to exist and challenge on multiple fronts. I would love it. I would love it if Klopp saved that money up yeah. and just went balls out. We got in the Champions League and he was like, this is why I was saving that money because I would have had to buy, uh, let's, give a, let's give an example, Andros Townsend. Yeah. When actually, you know what? In a, if I can get in the Champions League with the players that I've got, I can go and get yeah, 
someone much better, yeah. someone of Champions League yeah. quality. I'm just worried that that's not the case. Yeah, because because we've been in this situation before, and it's like it's you know what it is, it, and it it's that thing of it. Things will be okay when. When such and such comes back from injury, when we get a new manager, when we get new owners, when we get in the Champions League, when we do this and that, and you know, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of there's always factors, and this is the problem. It's, it's always like it's this delayed gratification. Where we, Liverpool are going, have gone fucking tantric on this delayed gratification of things coming. When it comes good, you know, and I'm confident it will. I, I don't know about the ownership. We'll talk about that in a bit, but the. When it comes good, I genuinely, I, I'm, I'm going to pop every every pore in my body. Something is going to explode out of mm. it. You know what I mean? I don't know how I'm going to handle it because of the way they've built up. But you, 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 I think you're right in that, and I'm hoping you, I'm hoping you're right in that, Mike. When I, I think we, it's hard to see this when you're very much mired in a season and when you're performing poorly, as we have been predominantly in this year. Um, but I look back at it and I, I, I still think maybe a player in January would have helped. Alleviate a lot of burden. So put, let's put let's put a pin in that and put that to one side for one second. Is that you can look at the squad and say striking the balance as we've said between the amount of games that we had. You know, we had a minimum of what forty games to play this season. Mm. We've added we've added what five or six or whatever, seven <laughs> or whatever on top of that. Um, it added as well on the fact that Klopp's trying to bed in like a, a core. You know, he wants a, a core of his squad and he wants to drill exactly what he wants into them so that when you start adding to that, you're not reinventing the fucking wheel every summer. You're not getting it in. You're not starting with 11 new players and starting from scratch every single July. So the issue we've still got is that we still there was still a, there was a lot of turnover in the summer. There was still a lot of players in. There were a lot of players out. There loads of players out. And still a lot, quite a lot of players in. To start adding to that, you know, and 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 the, 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 as you say, with all those factors in, if we'd if we'd gone and let's just say we'd gone and addressed every one of our major squad issues, tried to get it perfect, so we'd gone and spent thirty million pound on a left back, and we'd gone and bought another twenty five million pound centre half, and we'd gone and done X, Y, and Z. That's the situation everyone's everyone wants and everyone's kind of looking for. But I do just think in terms of what. How we were set up and what we wanted to do, there was only ever going to be so much that we, the, the the manager, was comfortable doing in one go, and if he's perceiving it as three, four, five years down the line, he's and he's got the confidence to do that, which is something that we've not seen a lot because Brendan Rodgers had a very short contract to begin with as well. You know what I mean? It's very rare we haven't had a manager who's been given that trust and whom also we put our trust in for ages to say. You know, I'll give it give it three years, and I think that that's where our our chief concerns come of this is that hopefully you're right is that we get to this summer and we add a, we add some big quality yeah. to bolt on to what is already a core eleven or twelve really good quality players. You're totally bought into the system, and you're not really again. You're not starting. For, it's not year zero. Uh, come the end of the season again, basically. Look, I've, said, I've said it before, and I've said it again. Klopp said that he he is more interested in developing the players that he's got than buying players, yeah. uh, because he knows what he's dealing with. I think, and he he trusts that he's a good coach and he's got a good coaching team around him. I I wonder whether, and I hope again, 
that having spent a year intensively training these drills into these players that come next season will be in a better position than everyone else when yeah. what will happen is two teams who finish outside the top four or maybe three of the big seven who, feel, who, who f- fall outside that top four will panic and change again and this yeah. time I know we'll be in a better position than them because there might be uh, there might be a change of manager there might, there'll be certainly a shifting of Deadwood there'll be an influx of new players whereas what I don't think we'll have is this mass exodus of players like yeah. we had last season well you've got you put, as you say you're adding those little bits and you can pick and choose what you want then yeah. and you'll know more about your players which means that you don't waste as much money in the pursuit of what you're looking for yeah absolutely and uh, that's it. I think we might see more stability in terms of manager turnover for the first time in a while at the top end of the table but again it's that weight of expectation that again you go out and buy yeah it's a double edged sword isn't it and I, I, there is no right answer to because it, it all exists in hypothetics but uh, let's use Man United and Arsenal as two examples of this they're top top players if for any whatever reason they don't get into the Champions League this season whether any, everyone likes it or not and no matter how much money they're being paid no matter who the manager in charge is agents and players and the players mates and they read social media and they see all these things there will be little doubt to start to creep into their head, mm. particularly Arsenal, because we see it all the time. You've got Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil, who, let's be perfectly honest, will move. One of them will probably move this summer. If someone comes in with a mega bid for one of them, don't be surprised to see one of them going. Yeah. And then they're in a position where they're having to replace that and you've got all the upset that comes with it. What we need to do, and like a perfect world scenario is for Liverpool is to get ourselves in the Champions League by hook or by crook, Go through a summer where we only sell the players we want to sell, only buy the players largely we want to buy, and put ourselves in a stronger foot. And exactly what you exactly what you're saying. And that's that's hopefully hopefully something that it's we, interesting. We, actually, slightly off off topic. Did you see the Southampton chairman come out and said that that's what Southampton's plan is going to be this year? So he was talking about Virgil Van Dijk and basically warning Liverpool off Virgil Van Dijk. And he said, look, in the last couple of years we've sold our big players. We're now in a position where Virgil has got a long contract with us. He's uh, the club captain. Um, and we want to arrest that sort of slide, and we want to make sure that we keep our players and build from this platform. So it's quite interesting that Southampton have finally yeah. decided that enough's enough. Well, that's what we've they're, seen. They're not willing to settle, and nor should Liverpool. Well, we're seeing that, aren't we? We saw that with um, Everton, you know, yeah. it, with with the likes of Lukaku and whatever they can afford to go. No, nah, right. we've, we've got money now. We don't need to. We don't need to sell people, and they only get rid of John Stones when the 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 timing of it was. Dictated by themselves, they kept them for another year because they they, fancy, they could have they probably could have just kept them if they really milked it dry fifty million. Well, quid, absolutely, well, absolutely, one hundred percent. And that's um, that's definitely something that I the, I think when you're in that the tier below, almost we're we're, we're sort of at the top fringes of feeding into the top in the top end. There's definitely more. We're definitely going to see more of that. But you still get those at the very very top end. You got the, those elite players. And that's one thing where we could do with more elite players. And I said this on the final word again. Liverpool need more elite players. I hope we grow a few into them, definitely. But we could do with buying one or two just to have, because of all the benefits that come with them. But the problem with those elite players is inevitably they know that they can win silverware. They they guarantee they are almost their talent guarantees silverware and it's whether they've got the the ambition to go and seek it out places. We're again another example where we're kind of we're kind of okay, but there'll be players at other clubs who will 
he will start to agitate, which should be good fun. I love the idea, like taking that. You know, we've got this core group of players, and I've said it, and I, I still believe it. I think Liverpool will play four-two-three-one next season. I think you'll have Jordan Henderson, maybe Genie Wijnaldum as the holding role, and then you've got Mane, Firmino, Lallana, and Coutinho fighting it out for a three. Mm-hmm. And you're dropping Lallana, you're dropping Firmino into the ten, whichever you feel is the right move, and you just drop that elite player that we're talking about. Yeah. That guy who's going to score you twenty-five goals and put the fear of God into every other team yeah. who comes up against him and goes fuck I can't def- and, and what we've got to defend him yeah. and then there's Firmino and then there's Mane yeah. and Adam Lallana and Phil Coutinho that's what it does whereas right now you can go oh well I think I can stop Firmino are you alright with Mane yeah that's it it's I a mean, massive difference well isn't it? exactly that isn't it and I, what, what Liverpool need going forward and whether it I don't know who I don't know who that player is but the profile that we're looking for is is Luis Suarez again not not getting him back but you know was, Suarez was 22-23 when we signed him so was Fernando Torres that you know that, and that, another point worth another thing worth pointing out again of course is that people think of these guys as at the time Fernando Torres was probably the best centre forward in the world when he was at his peak with us Luis Suarez third best player in, in, in the world now still was when he, when he when he played for us but they weren't that when we when we bought them, which is always Liverpool worth... Liverpool made oh, them. Exactly, always worth remembering. But, yeah, we... Or you take a cheeky bid on Aguero. Yeah. Who, who you think wouldn't fit our style, but he's got everything else. Maybe, yeah. It's more that thing. Mane's the, Mane, for me, is the model in in that regard, is that, you know, someone who's got the, the physical attributes, who's got the, you know, I think you can take a gamble on the people who've got the right attitudes... And the and the right and the right physical attributes first. You trust them to grow into what you need. Whereas we too often get those guys who use Lallana as an example of it. Love Adam Lallana. He's, he's integral to how we play. He's great, but he's one of them that he's had to fight against his physical limitations. Yeah. Um, so he's always his his touch is great, but he would be. If he, played, if he had another yard of pace or two yards of pace, he would be playing for Barcelona. Don't, I knew you would. Just let it go. If he, was, yeah, if he could complete the 100 metres in another two seconds faster than he could, you know what I mean? He'd be... yard of pace nonsense. Yeah, he would be... A metre a meter more pace, he'd be... Um, you know, he'd be a, gen- a genuine world beater, and that's what we've had too f- too many of in recent years. And it's again, it's, it's a Brendan Rodgers legacy of guys who are brilliant at football, and but then... Uh, the, problem is, the problem is, it's, you're right, but it's very easy to throw out there. The guys who have the touch of Adam Lallana and the speed of Sadio Mane are playing for Real Madrid. Well, exactly, but that's the problem. But, but the thing is, that's what the Real Madrid don't buy those players age 20 and 21. They buy them age 25, 26 for, for ridiculous money and, and beyond. That's the thing is, we need to get back to being that club again that goes and gets goes and gets them before they make that move, you know, it's obvious, isn't it? Rather yeah. than against let's not let's let's that that's where Liverpool have fallen down. They need to get back into the habit of being a success. It's one of them, you know, a guy should have that I just want to see pace. Pace and power, that's what we need more as much of that as we can physically get into the squad as possible because And endurance. I think that's something that we've shown that we need yeah, now. Yeah. I think you, you need there yeah. you I think you're oversimplifying, but your point is right. They're yeah. the two key attributes. Yeah, exactly. I could go through me twenty five yeah. point ratings out of twenty for, for me for me scout settings on football manager twenty seventeen. But yeah, you know, in a general speaking, athletes first 
and add, who add the, the the bits and pieces on, on on top. And again, Mane, I think Mane will fit. Will hopefully when he finishes Liverpool career and moves on, he will fit into the bracket. We'll think of him the same way we think of Suarez, the same way we think of Torres. In there, we've got a guy. Except we'll be in. made up because he's the guy who, who stayed here and won his league titles and European cups. Paul. Yeah. 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 Good. Well, no, nice chat. you know what? You know what will be nice? actually. You know what? Fuck that. I I want us to get back to the point where we go. Well, in fact, Torres being the perfect example of that. Get back to that. Get back to that Liverpool that goes. I think we've. I think we've. We've got all we're going to get out of him, and we sell him for ludicrous money, and then they they go and lose their legs on other people. I'd rather just win trophies, but go ahead. My Which idea means, was we keep Mane and win the league and European Cup, and yours was let's use him until his legs are out. That's the same. Well, it's the same thing. The idea. Well, I'm not saying we don't win trophies. He didn't say we did, but it's, it's a given. <laughs> Okay, okay. Let's keep all of us while we don't. Which, yeah, the point is, Liverpool get back to the world where we get we we ring every ounce of talent out of the people we want, and then we fuck them off. Get 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 back to being ruthless with our players rather than being. Oh well, we're not offering success, are we? So do you want to go move to another club? Oh, go on, go on, Raheem, enjoy yourself. No, fuck off, you dickhead. You fucking stay here till you fucking till you're a broken cart horse, and we th- kick you out to the curb. And some idiots like Chelsea give us, you know, ludicrous sums of money for you, etc., etc. Um, topic I want to discuss with you this week, Chris. So we, I was listening to the to the Long Ball Street podcast, which is really good, by the way. Um, if you haven't checked it out, it's on SoundCloud, and I think it's popular on iTunes as well. Um, so the question that Flav posed was, what was the moment where you <coughs> you realised you you became a, a, a fanatic of your club? Um, and I, I, the, I, Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. As I was listening to it, the more I was thinking about it, and I I personally can't define it. I could pick it. I could define it as one moment, and then I'd walk away from here and go, "Oh, but what about that? And what about that?" So, what I want is to sort of chart our 
progression through the the sort of the 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 touchstone moments of of supporting Liverpool because it's not a given, you know, your your story to how you hear Liverpool fans slightly different to mine, but told well documented, not relevant because I think you can get you get your football club. That's one thing you find a team to support, but at what point? Because we talk about this, how your ha- happiness, mm. whilst not entirely dictated by Liverpool's form. There's a there's a percentage of ha- a maximum percentage of happiness that I can reach in my life when Liverpool aren't performing well. Ten. It might be ninety five percent. It might be ninety percent. It might be fifty percent. There is a ceiling to how happy I can be, and that I can only ever reach a hundred percent happiness when my life's going well and Liverpool are performing. So, what are the moments of you being a Liverpool fan from childhood to almost like present day? In chronological, we'll go from youth okay. onwards and okay. see what you can come up with. So, I think. First and foremost, it's not it's a it's a touchstone for me, but it's not a Liverpool touchstone. It's this idea of football fanaticism mm-hmm. and it's very, very earliest stages. Now, I had a friend, Stewie Williams, massive, massive blue nose. And when we were growing up, another friend, Craig Melton, massive, massive blue nose. And everything we did was football. Yeah. It was football, football, football. We had an outdoor ball, we had a fucking indoor ball, we had a ball for the garden, a ball for the Back garden, ball for the front garden, ball for the roads. Yeah. Everything we did in whatever room in the house, there was a ball yeah. that we'd play with that was meant for that room yeah. and stuff like that. And you know, we had those. I forget what they're called. They're not shoot player cards. Maybe they were shoot player cards, and we just used to spend hours pouring over these things and cards and drawing football kits and all these type of things. So there was this early, early years football fanatism, and I've always enjoyed playing sports more than than um, actually watching them, which. When your body breaks down, becomes a becomes impossible. You have, like you have to do. You do have to flip that, and then you can enjoy enjoy sports. But I think when I was around about seven, eight, and my dad going to games, yeah, and then I started listening to games on the radio. Um, I remember watching Hillsborough, yeah. um, which is a you know it's a it's a touch point all all the same. Um, and then the very first one where I think, wow. This has got me gripped something chronic. I remember listening with me dad to the Liverpool for Everton for nineteen ninety one FA Cup yeah. final uh, fifth round the replay the replay the four all where Liverpool kept going ahead and that was the first time I got too pain from it as well because we drew we drew the game and then it was only a couple of days later when Kenny left yeah. And then, then we got beaten by Everton, and that was the first one where I think it really defined my happiness. Yeah, it's weird because if regards to football, I, I like I, I was never mad into it. When I was little, like I had an older cousin who was really he was three years older, so he was well well into it. My dad and my uncle used to sit next to each other, and they'd always go. And I remember the late eighties with uh, genuinely thinking that Liverpool went to the FA Cup final every yeah. season because my dad and my uncle would disappear and I'd go round to my aunties and my mum and my auntie and, and the kids would, would watch the FA Cup final with, with Liverpool in it. And I, for me, it starts, it's, it's weird how it starts in different ways. Like my dad would take me to games and I was never mad into it. Like I, I, I was probably a little bit young to be totally, totally into it. I used to, I couldn't sit and watch a 90 minute no. game of football. It used to bore me, I'd rather play it on the computer or go and play it outside or do whatever. But I remember the 1989 sticker book being well into that. And that was where, it's in regards to football, as you say, in regards to football fanaticism, was collecting the stickers and knowing all the players. I knew every player in England and every player in Scotland because you used to have the Scottish teams in the back of, in the back of it as well. Um, and it kind of grew from there. And then 
I guess it's when you get to, for me, it was when you get to school and with my junior school, when I was like under, you know, you go from what, from five to 10 or whatever, and you, for those outside the country, don't understand how the schooling system at work. But I'm not sure you got that right either. When you start four or five, you start in school, and then you go to junior schools, like 10, you go to 10, it's like 11 when you go to senior school, isn't it? Um, so you, there were no Evertonians in our school. So it was, just had like a nice existence and again you play you played footy on the yard and that was when i realized that it was the actual playing football was the best thing you could the actual best thing you could ever do was you'd go for like a parents evening and there'd be the kids would be just waiting in the yard while the parents went in for a parents evening and just a game of footy would break out and like kids would be taken off and brought back in again so you had this constant rotating what side are you on you're on that side go on and you'd be there for like two hours playing footy with a constant revolving set of kids that for me is probably where it kicked off and that was like cause I remember that and even like I think the, probably the first FA Cup final I put it in but I don't count it because like 92 I got taken to that I don't I wasn't really that asked. I was more interested in the sponsor boards revolving than yeah, the, yeah, the game itself. And um, so that was, it was weird. It was actually at that point, it probably wasn't until I got into 11, 12 onwards that I really found a passion for, I was into Liverpool. I loved the concept of Liverpool, but I wasn't passionate about it, about watching the games and being overly obsessed with it, probably until I kind of hit 11 or so. Yeah, well, I, so the, the first one for me was, I would have been nine. Was that nineteen ninety one? I've I've completely missed out the FA Cup final and the program because my dad went to the eighty nine Cup final with a, with a few reds and a few blues yeah. and stuff, and he came back with the program. And I, I've, I've not looked at this program in twenty five years or yeah. whatever, however long it's been. I, there was a fucking thing with a blow up banana on the back of it, and I just remember I used to look at this program all the time, like and just <laughs> wish that I was there. And yeah. much like you. It was it was the stuff and the culture around football that really enticed me. And um, my dad got us two tickets to the the cops last stand, which is why I referenced it earlier on in the show. And being there and, and going to that is probably it wasn't my first game, but it's the first game that I truly remember going to. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Were you there? Yeah. Yeah, I was in the main stand. So we got we got two tickets, and we walked down towards the cop and there's these big banners all over all over the park and some of them were moaning that the cops going and they put like a I think it was outside the park and like an RIP spying cop 19 whatever to 1994 and then you get in the cop and I've been to games before but I've not been to a game that was anything like this because yeah. everything it felt like what I'd heard and seen growing up was playing out in front of me for the first time. Yeah. You know, every single chant that you could possibly imagine, all the great managers coming out before the game, the this the swaying of the cop and this togetherness and I just I didn't watch the game. I really like yeah. you're just there as a kid and you're just looking around trying to take it all in yeah. and trying to remember as much as you possibly can. And I just remember all I remember about that game is that it was shit. And looking back, nothing sums up how, what has happened to Liverpool better in twenty years than not winning the, the last game in front of the in front of the old cop. In it, like you, could, you know, take Gerrard's last game for yeah, it exactly. as another example of how badly we get it wrong when it. But at least the fans were up for the yeah. for the Norwich game, and it was Jeremy Gosh with that volley, wasn't it? It was a hell of a volley. The the main thing I remember from the game, and I think I remember it more from match of the day. If I'm perfectly honest, yeah. is that Nigel Clough was. God damn terrible, and he was—he must have had the best pass completion for their side. <laughs> uh, but I just remember being in the cop and just looking around and just 
being in awe of what I was part of, yeah. and that's what it, that's what kind of football is, isn't yeah. it? It's you're a part of something bigger than you, yeah. and that was for me my full indoctrination into Liverpool. The one, the, the thing that always sticks out to me, and I, it's it's a nondescript feeling, and I couldn't tell you any of the matches that it was involved in, but it was that feeling. We used to go to the game, go to the game with my dad and again my young cousin stuff, and we we park up up the roads, and these these houses have all been knocked down and redeveloped now, and there used to be pubs along the walk in. This is like. Cop, cop behind the cop end, and there was like a sweet job, and you stop and get you get some sweets for the match. And when you you could just hear like the hubbub in the distance, you maybe see the the aurora almost of the uh, uh, of the of the cop on the distance for the night games. And as you got closer, and everyone would be walking and talking about yeah. the match, having their own little conversations, and it just get you know tighter and more compact, and the, the levels of people around you build up, and just that that noise and that like it's genuinely thinking about it, it's making the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. That that it's absolutely indescribable, and it's why I always say it's it's pseudo biblical, like the you know like a religious experience for me. That walk into the cop on a, on, a, on a night game, and that's from like six upwards, and that's something that always that always stuck with me. But in terms of like again becoming totally obsessed with the the ins and outs of every single game, and when it starts to affect my mood, it was definitely like, so from like eleven onwards. I had it was a group of four of us, my three best mates were. Evertonians, and that was the first that will time. affect your mood. Well, exactly, you know. But it, that's the first time I'd come into contact really with Evertonians. There was, I, I told you before, there was one lad who was an Evertonian in my junior school, and he was a bit weird, and no one really liked him or spoke to him. So that was my experience of Evertonians. They were just this little the, the, the weird gang of weirdos, like. And I wasn't wrong, uh, as it turns out. But no, me, me, me three best mates, and this was a period in the nineties when Everton just used to beat us in derbies yeah. constantly and I had to live with that and having to go into school when they've when they've beaten you and, and sit next to them for hours on end just getting the, the piss taken out of you and that was the time when you'd start to play um, like getting into the further into the 90s when Championship Manager Championship Manager 96, 97 came out and that was the one that everyone had it was it was, it was one yeah, we, we used to bring our teams in on pieces of yeah. paper and, and rate each other's squads and look at how many goals and look at their average rating over yeah. this many games and it, mental. and it was that that was the point when as well when it started to matter because you needed your team to be good because if your team wasn't good you'd get ripped then on Monday in school and it was like that dread of going in and I still remember when we we, we hadn't won a derby in years and it was the Fowler white line yeah. celebration derby because we went a goal behind in that and it was that course good and then we came back and came back and won it and the I got out I literally like I, I floated on air home and I ran upstairs and I had a phone in my room and I picked it up and I and I but used to ring home phone numbers and I knew all my mates' phone, home phone numbers off by heart and individually went round ringing them when they picked the phone up I went, ah! <laughs> like and they just <laughs> move on to the next one ah! and repeat and then go round literally it was fucking glorious and that again probably if I had to pull it down to that that level of like total fanaticism that was the the first real point where yeah that around that age mid 90s um when i was like 11 12 13 and whatever that was that was what really kicked it off for me mm. great and then um moving on further from that i suppose it's when you start to the ne- the next major thing for me was when you started to get old enough to drink yeah. And you go and form relationships over footy and booze as well then. And then you start linking these things together because that was kind of like the missing piece. Yeah. You know, I remember I remember semi-well, 
I remember going to the one four seven club yeah. for the Roma game when oh, we beat yeah, them 2-0. Really yeah. And we, we were sat just in front of the big screen where we, that when the lads kept standing in people kept standing in front and then we'd stand in front of them. Oh my god, yeah, absolutely. And it's those type of memories that that, <laughs> that, that hang with me. Like yeah. you know, Owen scored two that day. But my biggest memory was I had to look up who the goal scorer was. I remembered that fucking stuff more. Yeah. I remembered the guys standing up in front of us, and yeah. you know, and it's 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 you talked about it. Was it last week? Yeah, it was last week on this podcast. And you talk it's, it's about the stories that you can tell, yeah. isn't it? And that's kind of what all of these are. They're all stories from from always going to do something. Now I'm sure if you're a fanatic of any sport, yeah. you'd get those stories. It just so happens that football's the best sport in the world. <laughs> we follow the best team in the world, and therefore we've got more stories than yeah. anybody else. It was that around that period because that was when we, me and you became mates around that around that time when we were like 17, and um, that 2001 that the treble season. Was like that was different. At the time, I wasn't. I didn't really hang out with those with, with the other lads. I started to hang out with you and you and the other, the other lads instead. And that was the season when I like that League Cup final when we beat Birmingham. I got I went on my own to that. So I, so that would have been two thousand. So I was seventeen. I I got I got dropped off on by Stanley Park right right by Goodison, where the coach was. Got a coach down on my own. I had me, me probably had me Walkman with me uh, and and uh, and a bit of dough in my back um, in my back pocket, and I went to Cardiff on this coach on me Todd, got in the ground like four hours before kickoff, and they were doing like loads of random games. So I had to stick it in a hole and a thing that was covering a goal and like the halfway line challenges and all the biff that they put on on cup finals in between, and that was that season because that was the one where. I went to that. I went to that one on my time and, and seeing that and, win, and winning that and having you know the, to go out my way to go and do that on my own as well, which I'd never I'd never done anything really like that prior to it. And then and then kicking on to that was then the FA Cup final as well. We, me and my dad went to that that time and get we got the train that time and it was fucking horrendous. They like literally wheeled out every train that they could find. And, like they got like they got like, the train. diesel trains. Well, they've got like the train museum and crew, and I genuinely felt like all the ones that you see in the sidings just melting away. Like they pulled all them out. They were like it was like wooden. Like Thomas the Tank took us to, to Cardiff essentially. Mm, nice. And having and having that and having that memory and that was the first again. That was because that it was that first taste of. Glory because we won the League Cup in '95 in or whatever. It was that of the first time you had that experience of what wow, Liverpool are brilliant. We go on and yeah. <laughs> and then we went and then we all got together and watched the the UEFA Cup final. And that was the one where we that was the one where you went home stressed when the game when the the game the final whistle blew and I went home went straight home and went to bed and went to sleep because I I was in pieces at the end of that but that's that was then so that that was at like the next chart for that was was that was that game because that was the, the our first sense of, as liverpool fans yeah. were like great team glory something to tell it was different as well though, wasn't it because it was a european trophy and you yeah. know as a liverpool fan i'd not remembered any european trophies yeah. i was too young for the last one and stuff so that that one felt like something it felt like because we won all three cup competitions that year that we were going to go on and win the league the next season yeah uh, as it turns out it took me and you to do that <laughs> um who'd have thought it thought <laughs> uh, but obviously you know i don't want to talk too much about like istanbul's and stuff so what I will say now is, and I've said this before to you, I don't know whether I've said it on on it on the Redmen in any way, shape, or form, but I'd given up going to the finals. Yeah. I don't know until until I read an article a few weeks ago, 
and it changed my viewpoint now too. I've been to three finals. Um, I have. We've lost all of them. Never yeah. won a trophy. Never seen Liverpool win a trophy live. I went to the League Cup last season. Manchester lost on penalties. Yay. Uh, went to the Chelsea final. Was that 2012 or 2013? Something like that. Yeah, 2014. we lost. We lost. Yeah. We lost in that one. Yeah. Um, and I've been to the European Cup final. Sorry, the European Cup final. The UEFA Cup final. Europa League 12, final sorry, last good. season. Um, got to see Sevilla beat us. So this is the thing. And this is what... This is what will get me through from now until the end of the season, bringing it back onto the present day, is it's the hope that keeps you going. Yeah. It's not anything else. And this is what's changed my mind. It's not. I'm not going because Liverpool keep getting beat when I go and it's some kind of weird thing where I have to touch wood and all this yeah. type of stuff. It's not about that. It's about going because when I eventually see Liverpool win a fucking trophy yeah. live in the flesh... <laughs> My God, yeah, it's gonna be spectacular. Yeah, I, I mean, there will be there will be odes written about the amount of jizz that are gonna come out <laughs> of my body. It's, it's what I'm saying. Isn't it? Like, I, I've said this before. That, that's why the league for me, because I've been, you know, I'm lucky enough that it, with my own two eyes, I've seen us lift the league title. Although, albeit, I was very, very young for that game. I've in the flesh I've seen us win two FA Cups and a, and a League Cup and then you know I, I was I've been with you for those other finals that that we've lost. Um, I I'm glad I've got that. <laughs> you know that's probably what keeps me on an even uh, keeps me on an even keel. But yeah, you you you're right that if we were to do if we were not just that for me it's if we if I saw us win a Premier League. Genuinely, genuinely, it would be. Do you remember when we celebrated the? Uh, was it the treble when we were on top of Owen's roof? Yeah, that in fact, there's a great part of that, 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 and maybe it is that. I think for us, maybe it's because of our age and stuff. It has to go back to the treble season, doesn't it? Because yeah, people, people old enough to remember, like when we did open top bus tours because we were good. We did. We paraded the three trophies, and we went to the Chilwell Fiveways, and yeah, we got up onto Owen's roof, and we it was boss. We were like no one there. We got a really good view, and then we kind of got bored waiting for it to turn up. So we ended up on ground level as it was coming, and it was really. Poor. I was literally on the road on the on Queen's Drive with my hand on the on, on the. I could have been run over very easily, um, but yeah, that like that whole, again. We've got that's the thing about the whole thing, isn't it? About where it comes down to is having those. Ex- those experiences that you that you come that's why to. I think you know the, the social media side of Liverpool fandom at the minute is quite it's quite a, it's a hard place to be because you forget that there are a generation of 15 and 16 year olds who are fanatical about football because yeah. we just worked out that was you know yeah, we were yeah, fanatical yeah. at that yeah, that's age formative years isn't it like, yeah. I've, I've got an FA Cup and a League Cup and they're too young to remember the league, uh, the FA Cup. Mm. So all we've got in their mind is a league cup in their lifetime. Well, this is it. If I, if I, think and that's why they. Sorry, that's why they find it difficult to yeah. deal with Liverpool being shit. And why I think you know when you get a bit older, when you've seen everything under the sun that can happen in football, yeah. you're a bit more lazy. Fair well, yeah, exactly. You? And I think you've got it. I mean, it's helped. I think it's probably helped local Liverpool fans that Everton are shit. Yeah. Um, and they're not because if they were winning silverware, I think it would be very. Yeah. And we and if they've been beating us in derbies, they would be struggling to to handle it. But you're right, is that having the, having the silverware to go? Look, look what we did. We we we're, we're still boss. I can't imagine how I would have handled it if we'd only won that League Cup in '95, and then we because then we lost the FA Cup final the next season to United. Of course, if we'd then not gone on and had had the treble or whatever, I, I would probably be loads. And I think that's what what we're, where we're lucky. To some extent, is that by comparison to people who are maybe ten years older than us, 
you know, we, it's been a paucity by comparison to people who grew up with uh, properly. Grew well, your up dad. In the 80s. That's why I love talking well, to your exactly. dad. But you know, those we've not seen Liverpool anywhere near their their height. You know what they were, and yet we've seen enough to 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 sustain us to some extent. So you're right. I do I do genuinely feel sorry for people who are who were in the the teens or whatever who. And because Liverpool's become a bit more global since then, you don't. We didn't have to deal with fans of other clubs. You didn't well, know yeah. him. You never met. You never met anyone who supports another club until you got to like eighteen, or you maybe go visit family mm, or whatever. We became students. Yeah, exactly. And you, so you wouldn't have to be. You wouldn't have to deal with that. With that choice. So I do. I do feel sorry for people, but you know, people need to find a way to to get over that. Um, that was interesting. That was really good. We'll do more stuff like that, I think, in, in the future. So we've got some questions. We will be doing an extended version of this for listeners, and you want more of this kind of stuff. As we said, we're, we were doing the video for the subscribers on the website. Um, we do your questions, and we do some extra as well to, to make it worthwhile for the people who so wonderfully donate to the Red Men TV cause. Um, it's time for Get In The Bin. Those of you who missed last week, the general concept is pick one thing from Liverpool culture to put in the bin. Room 101 style. Go on, Paul. What are you putting in the bin this week, mate? So and it's from Liverpool culture. So the, it's not something that's, that's massive. It's not something that's as prevalent at the moment. But one thing that from the, from Liverpool culture we, that's there, and, and I hope never to see again, and it, it, it is that moment when Raheem Sterling came on the pitch as a 17-year-old, 16, 17-year-old boy and received a 45,000 people standing ovation. Um that needs to get in the bin and never, never, ever, ever return. And this is the problem with this, of course, is uh, this is the modern, this is modern football. This is this is LFC TV's fault because you can now watch academy games and you can watch these games. And they're obviously trying to get value for money out of what they what they offer. Listen, I understand that. Um, but the fact that we're able to watch all these games and the details are all there. I mean, we're talking about an era where we come from where, like, Liverpool friendlies, you, you, Liverpool friendlies were never filmed or televised. You wouldn't even get a, you barely get a match report. You might get a score in a newspaper to the point now where every aspect of Liverpool is so well documented that you just highlight reels of kids who are 16 years old who've never, who won't, have never and will never kick a senior football for Liverpool. So what we need to do is get back to a world and we... we we can't delete that stuff. We can't go backwards. It, it'll never happen. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. But what it, what I wanted to get to a position is is where we can just embrace young talent and be excited to watch them play again and not expect these kids to come out and be the next dot, dot, dot. Because we didn't do that to Michael Owen. People always refer to Michael Owen being 17 or 16, bursting onto the scene. He was brilliant. He was. He was a unique talent at the time, and he was. And he was just one of those freaks that was totally, totally ready for it. I just, I, I, I sincerely hope that we can just, get, you know, if we see the likes of whether it's Woodburn or whether it's um, there's the kid whose name completely escapes me now. He's playing in the in, in it, for the unders at the minute. He's playing up, Wilson. playing up front now. There's a kid. He's, he's a bit younger. Isn't he? He's only he's only sixteen, and um, he's. People are a bit screaming at their phones right now, saying this is his name. Uh, it'll come to me at some point. But anyway, there's this kid, and he's oh, um, Brewster, you're yeah, something like that. He's this is this is everyone should be like me, be like me. And this is he is being touted as like he keeps getting hinted at by Klopp and the Janos hitting them as him being the next great thing. Let it if he comes in, let him just come in and see what he can do. Let's not. 
put all this fucking shitty. I like that. As, I like that as a shout. Um, I think it was far too much pressure put on Raheem Sterling, mm. but you know what alleviates that pressure in this in this iteration of football because it's changed since Michael Owen came in. Yeah. Is and but what Owen did have in front of him was a star player in front of him and Robbie Fowler, yeah. and that's where I think a lot of the pressure came from from Raheem Sterling. It was poor form by by the first teamers, and it was the fact that they felt like he could make the difference. Yeah. Now, regardless of whether you think he can make the difference or not, you don't give an untried, untested player yeah. child. Yeah. A standing ovation it, again. Is it something that your dad has always said, isn't it? That he doesn't. Is it your dad that doesn't agree he with the standing, standing ovations? ovations? Like unless you've literally like scored that leg and scored that, you know, and yeah, and carried the injury for the whole game. No standing ovation from him. My dad's very. He's not. He's not a. When he's sit next to him when I was a kid, and you'd you learn like behaviours and how to behave at the footy, which is also something that's been lost along the way, sadly. But like, I, so I always got the impression that if my dad clapped something. It was really it good. It was, you know, you were totally, you were totally worth it. Which is again, you, you, you learn behaviors now, like you clapping the opposition and stuff like that. Someone, do, if if it got a clap off my dad, then it was it, it was the most deserving of a clap that's ever been. But yeah, the yeah the Sterling stuff is, is exactly right. We we he, we started with that and then we continued to heap pressure on him and it's the club's it's the club's fault and everything everything around it. They built him up as this amazing thing. It was showcasing that they scored four or five or whatever in a in a youth cup game. Yeah. And every, and that was everywhere. And you go, wow, look at this kid! Can't wait for him to break through. And people don't know, don't can't delineate between youth football and and senior. And there's, a, there's a there's a weight of expectation that's placed on these players, and it becomes hard to get rid of. I mean, look, Raheem Sterling was an incredible talent, and it is a it is a very 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 good player, mm-hmm. and he will go and achieve great things. But think of the expectation that we put on Jordan Ibe as well. Oh yeah, exactly. was there any need for all yeah. of that? He's shit? the next. His his. Pressure and height was defined by fucking Sterling. You know what I mean? It started with him, and it, oh, it's fine. We've got. Don't worry about Sterling, because we've got Jordan Ibe. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Um, the the example again. I hate the fact that it, on on different formats of Redmen this week, I keep using Man United as examples, and it, it's sad. But look at how they've handled Marcus Rashford this year. Mm. He. It's it's a year. It's only been a year since he made his first team debut, and everyone was raving about him. And he went to the uh, Euros in the summer, and the, he could have come back and been like like Michael Owen World Cup ninety eight. You know, he, he, people could have been going, "Oh my god!" And, and and all the public eyes on him. Whereas what they've done is they've just they've just pulled him out. Maybe I, I couldn't tell you how good a season or bad a season he's had because he's not filtered into my life because he's not doing it every week. They're just able to use him as a ta- as a talented young player. Let him develop. Let him learn exactly what you're saying. Let him learn off your Zlatans and your Matters and and all that kind of stuff and your Runes and be a be a better player for this it. This is the one example of where I think Man- you've held Manchester United up as an example when they probably shouldn't be. And let me let me tell you why. It's because Mourinho's got a fucking really big chip on his shoulder with young players, yeah. and he's never actually developed young yeah. players. And it, you could be right. He could well go on and use this, but the likelihood with Mourinho looking back over the rest of his career is he just doesn't like fucking young kids, and yeah. they don't win him trophies. I'm glad he doesn't like fucking young kids, if I'm perfectly <laughs> honest. Um, but that is cross the bit. No, yeah, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're right in that regard, because I, I think he can look at the example of like Martial, I think he's being used very well, etc. But whether by um, accident or design, the fact is there would have been a temptation for someone so talented mm. and so promising. He could have he could have jumped ahead of any number of players, and, and you know, and, and they could have paid. Whereas if not, they've got no. I want X, Y, X, Y, and Z, and it's meant that he'll get a few years out of the 
spotlight, particularly because England, the, de- the, the press is so desperate, aren't they, to, 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 to build these kids up to knock the them down. The focus on Theo Walcott again. Oh, God, exactly. Uh, so, time for your questions. Thanks to everyone who's uh, tweeted in, as always, at the Redman TV, if you're interested in sending a question in for us. Um, we got a load, because we've gone this post-Lester, all the questions were just like, talk about how shit it is, why is it so shit, talk about this and that. So there are a few of them, but I did also ask for some more fun questions, which is where the opening question for the week came from. Um, we'll work through a few of these, and then, uh, again, for those watching on the redmentv.com, we'll do some extra stuff at the end just for you guys, so stay tuned, stay tuned for that. Listeners, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the camera and I'm winking. Um, first question then, Chris. It was an extraordinary wink. N-I-D-L-P, geek. Um, what do you put on your pancake day pancakes? Oh, that's... It is Shrove Tuesday. It record. is Shrove Tuesday. Now, my wife's very much a lemon and she'll get kind of a gal. Um, I find them quite boring, to be perfectly honest with you. I like Nutella and ice cream. I'm a fucking big kid. Wow. Going, going, going go all in. Hard. I, uh, I'm uh, my ideal way of eating food is buffet style. I like a little bit. I like a little bit of everything. So in the pancake regard, I like to. I don't have one favorite type of pancake. I like to mix it up. So I, I like to go for the. I like to make sure I've, I've exhausted every possible combination. So that's sugar, lemon, and sugar, lemon uh, jam. Jam and lemon, jam, lemon and sugar, whatever. Get every possible, yeah, every possible variation. This is a man who doesn't know what he wants. This is what this is. No, I know what, no. No, no, it's not. You think you do, but you don't, because you don't have fucking lemon and jam on a fucking pancake. Have you never had it? No. Well, then you don't fucking know. Because you don't have it. Nobody should know what it's like. You're limiting yourself. I'm not limited. I've got taste buds, and they work. (laughs) You're limiting yourself with your shitty taste buds. Yeah, Yeah, it's come to that. Yeah, I'm dissing your taste buds on a podcast. Yeah. Who knew? I am. No, like I say, I... I This is the man I caught eating fucking noodles with crackers. By the way, one day. Variety is the spice of life. You'd run out of bread and you know it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's it. There's, there's, ta- there's times for putting... Beans, into your baked body. beans, noodles and dry Jacob's crackers you were eating. I'll give you the... I'll right. give... Would you trust this man? No one's right. answering. The answer's no. But the answer's no. Yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's a... I had very little money at the time. There's a thing of you eat what you've got or you eat nothing. There's an important lesson in that for everyone. Listen at home, we think that we're fucking... With some sort of high char, high highfalutin big Charlies with regards to food, well, one of us. I um, no, I, I I I I'd have no whatever you said Nutella and ice cream that'd be that would be spending no problem. Nutella and ice cream should no, win yeah, by No way. problem with any no problem with any of that as a thing. But like I say, if you you have pancakes so rarely that I'd, I see no sense in limiting yourself to one type it's of a, pancake. It's a good point, yeah. It's a good point. Because has anyone ever had pistachio crema though? Because there's something that I've not had on a pancake, but I, that I am going to have yeah. on a pancake tonight. I, yeah, that's the thing. It's a good. Yeah, it sounds. It sounds. Because if, you, if you've, it is, it's like you get a, a little jar, it's about, I think it's probably about 150, 200 grams. We get them shit from Italy for nine quid. Yes, I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> right, they're fit. So when we went over to Rome a few years ago, it's what they have in the croissants quite often. It's yeah. just a pistachio creme. It's it's like a pistachio version of Nutella without yeah. the chocolate. It's absolutely incredible. Like So we have croissants quite often with pistachio creme in Casa de Pajac. What and, wing um, of your house do you eat this? The, le- the left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing for me is that the pan- again, yeah, if you have pancakes once a year and I want to try a different thing, fuck waiting a year to try a different you type have of pancake. Pancakes more than once a year. 
Out. Not, not pan not pancakes, pancakes. Not like what do you mean American not like pancakes? Crepes, pan not like crepes. Okay. Um a bit, maybe I would do it periodically, but not not really. Like. Okay. When you well, you know, it's like it's like Christmas. Would you get one big present or do you get a, a bunch of different things? Now I know some people you you'd be all in on maybe one big present. Oh, I got a pan last year. Yeah. For how much? <laughs> but you know, but the point is that is that that's a, there, therein lies the difference. In our but it's a movie, L. It's a copper pan. Oh, absolutely, it lasts me my entire life. Oh. And I can cook some amazing shit. In of course, it. it will until you until your kids get to teenage years and and, and you I scour, beat over the head you with it. Scour on it or something. They better fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and they will. Because um, what being a dad's all about. I'm gonna fucking and pan nice them. Things. But this is the difference. That's what I'm saying for me. That's it. I um I would I would rather have fifty little. Prezies to open than one than one mega one. And therein lies the I mean, it would have been nice if I'd had some chocolate in my pan or something, but no, it was just a pan. <laughs> it's a bottle of olive oil. <laughs> um, I love my pan. It's now my third one I've got. So, In fact, it's my fourth. So getting this, bringing this crashing back to a sad, crushing reality. Uh, John O'Sullivan, uh, core belly red. Is there any chance you'll stop being so defensive of FSG? They don't deserve it. And then... Uh, Okay. I actually, I, I actually talk, talked about FSG for the first time on Twitter this morning. Um, I gave my, I gave exactly where I am, and you know, I've said to you today as well. I think I'm not FSG in, and I'm not FSG out. I'm right down the centre right now, yeah. and I'm, I am waiting for something to happen. And by that, I don't mean Liverpool to win or lose football matches. Mm -hmm. By judging FSG, I'm going to judge them yeah. on what they can do. The, for example, they've just put, uh, put in a new. CEO of yeah. Liverpool. That's something that I'll judge FSG on. Yeah. I won't judge FSG on how Jurgen Klopp's football side do against Leicester on a Monday night in mm -hmm. Leicester because that's not what FSG are controlling. Yeah. Ultimately, long term it is. Yeah. But when the manager turns around in January for me and says I didn't want to sign anybody, then you can't blame FSG for that. Yeah. Like, I, it, so right now, I'm sorry. There's loads of people out there who, who say that we're too liberal with our talk on FSG I'm going to end that I'm not going to be from now on I'm going to talk about it as much as I want to talk yeah. about it but I will judge them on things that they control yeah. and not things that Klopp and the players control the difference with me is I don't I don't if pe people I don't think I don't think I've I don't think I've defended that what happens is what happens is I think people tend people think you people have opinions on stuff and I think a lot of time if you don't Wait. Buy into that opinion, then you're seen as being. If you're not with us, you're against us. Whereas I, I've said this before, I don't really, I don't really care about the ownership. And I don't mean that to say like I'm being blasé about it because I, I come back to it. You know, we people maybe didn't follow the channel back in the day, but you know when we went through the ownership protests, yeah. we were the only media outlet giving them any coverage. We were the only people there. With a, with a video camera talking to people who are protesting and getting that getting that opinions out there and you know and looking at that, um, nobody nobody did that. So I'm not. Here's the thing. I'm not against if it's horrendous. I'm not against getting back on the barricades. I'm not. I'm not against getting back on the picket line and getting back on the front line and getting back on marches and whatever. Yeah, I've done it before, and if it needs to be done, I'll do it again. My point is, and I, and I say this work like when Liverpool are going bad. It's. Uh, I'm, I have a more of a laissez-faire attitude to life. I don't. I have no passion either way with with FSG. If I'm perfectly honest, my only thing of it is it, I, my all I say is, and it, it, I don't. I think it's a specific defence of FSG because it could be anyone. It doesn't have to be them. It doesn't have to be those people involved. It's just that we. 
there were there might be better owners for Liverpool, and if they present themselves, then great. I'll yeah. be I'll be I'll be all in on that. I, you know, and if I, if I feel there's people that, that, that there's reasonable options out there, and equally if I feel that they're absolutely genuinely fucking good and some people might believe that but I, I can only compare it to what I've seen in my experience of football and not just at Liverpool but looking at other football clubs and looking at clubs that have been horrendously mismanaged and I have a sliding scale on things and I don't I don't know I maybe this fall maybe <laughs> FSG will fall into the line that Steve brought in the other week on one of the shows and he's like a minion and he said just good enough to get you beat and maybe that's maybe that's where FSG are and maybe that maybe I'm I can't see the woods from the trees because maybe for me I need it to be glaringly bad and maybe the people who are anti FSG maybe they are visionaries maybe they see through it all and maybe they can see Maybe they're the people who see the iceberg coming. Maybe the people on, they're the people on the deck of the Titanic screaming at the captain to tell him to fucking turn around. I don't know that. And, may, and again, it could be that I'm totally blinded by it. But, but you wouldn't know. But I wouldn't know. And nobody nobody really knows ultimately because there are, for every person who's totally staunchly against it, I don't say that there's, there's people who are staunchly for them. I don't think, I don't, I really don't think there are. I think there's people who've got like that, agen- that agenda. I don't think, I don't think there's a similar agenda. I think John Stewart did it really well um, when he went on Fox News a couple of years ago and he said, the guy on there accused him of, of the left-wing agenda and he said, there is no left-wing agenda. It's because there's a right-wing agenda. People who have that assume there must be a counter one on the other side because why would there, why would there not be? And I think that's where people fall down. People presume because we're not like out there going, fucking FSG, yeah. look at everything that's going wrong that we are staunchly defending them it's simply not the case um it's just that there's just been i see all the things that people read i read these i read people's thoughts i hear people's opinions on it i've not seen enough anyway to to, to well, talk, i could pick, I pick up about either any strain of any of the arguments and start pretty much arguing for or against it mm-hmm. you know and and that's both ways and that's why i'm indecisive on yeah. it because you know you can talk about the net spend and stuff but you can see that yeah, people talk about trophies here's a great example of it yeah. how many trophies have we won yeah. under fsg well we've won one trophy under fsg haven't we mm-hmm. but you know what we were close to a league title like desperately close to a league title, yeah. close to a European trophy, and close to another league cup. Yeah. And on it, and another, and any any given Sunday, they could have gone all the yeah. other way, yeah, exactly. and we'd be sat here with a Premier League title in our belt, and who knows how many more since. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, FSG didn't control that Gerard slip and yeah. all that went with that at the end of that season. They didn't con- didn't make us miss penalties in the League Cup, and they didn't make us capitulate in the uh, European. Europa semi final. So there's things that you FSG have done well and there's things that they've done really badly. Yeah. I actually think that, you know, they should have been much stronger when Brendan Rodgers came in. If they wanted to direct the football, they should have put it in place. Yeah. You've got to have the courage of your convictions. Yeah. They never yeah. and they trusted into Rodgers and that was a mistake that they've made. Yeah. I still think they're paying for us to this day, actually. I, I would love I would like uh, what you said. I, I I would I much prefer and Jürgen Kopp's a step in the right direction. I want people who are who know what they're doing now, they're not learning on the job. And I think FSG have had to learn on the job. Yeah. And unfortunately, given that the whole Hicks and Gillette thing set how many years that set us back, that happened at the worst possible time in Liverpool's history. Uh, and the worst possible time in the history and development of football. Because for a start, David Moores was too slow to move to move on. 
Yeah. You know, so we allowed the Abramovich era. The club on. Well, exactly. But this is the point. We, we allowed the Abramovich era to happen around us without reacting to it. We, we, we had to react. We weren't proactive. We chose the wrong owners. We, you know, we, we, we had a, a, a foundation of a potentially brilliant football team. We had a great manager. I know there's people who will disagree with that, but that's whatever. It is. It was what it was. Two thousand eight, two thousand nine was a stupendous side that was that was running in the right direction. We were competing in the Champions League. We were the highest ranked team in Europe, and then the 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 legs were were completely swept yeah. from underneath that team. And then what happened is, Evergy were not were not right. We're not the right people to come in at that point. They were right in so much as listen, they came in and they paid the money for the club and they and they brought it out and they saved us from administration. That you know. That maybe there were other options, maybe they were, I don't know. But regardless, they did that. That's a, that just happened. That's a thing. Liverpool didn't have to go bust. Liverpool didn't have to suffer a points deduction. Liverpool didn't have to suffer going down a league or having to reform as a Phoenix club or anything like that, which we've seen happen. You know, all across world football, that's been happening in the last twenty years. Um, so that that all that all that stuff being what it is, but it's just happened. It's just Liverpool uh, for the last thirty years. I just a team that's just been too late to when things have changed. Yeah. Man United floated on the stock exchange at a time went to capitalise on their rise into the Premier League, which gave them more money than everyone else to totally dominate. Liverpool stayed as a as a limited company, as a sorry, as a, as a yeah, private limited company underneath the the, the, the Moors ownership and whatever, and were never able to capitalise on that boom. So we were always playing catch up, and then we just lost. We're ten years behind the likes of Man United. Um, uh, and and the thing is, the, the the bubble will maybe burst over the next few years, and we'll always probably stay behind in that regard. And that's the worrying thing, isn't it? You know, Manchester United, their their finances have almost increased exponentially each year, whereas ours have probably been like a steady increase. Mm -hmm. And so every year we're getting further away because of yeah. that inability to react uh, fast enough earlier on in the Premier League years and stuff. And look, getting back onto the FSG stuff. We'll talk about this a lot more over the coming podcast. Well, we did, a good, we did a good hour on it, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago, um, which I thought was really was really interesting in regards to that the, the, the court documents and all that kind of stuff. So we've done a bit, and you're right, we'll do we'll definitely do more because we're not going to answer this in one question in a segment it, on on a on a podcast. But I, my my major, I think the major issue is is that thing is that FSG were not were just it was a poor they were poorly set up for what we needed yeah, them they, to be when they, they took over. The thing is, what they've done is what we're accusing Liverpool of being poor at. They've seized an opportunity mm -hmm. because for business reasons, mm -hmm. I believe anyway. Um, but that's what Liverpool were really bad at during yeah. those mid-90s and early 2000s is seizing those opportunities. And look, they, they know, and I think they know where they've gone wrong and I think they're looking to address that. Whether you yeah. believe that or not is totally up to you. I totally get that. You've got to have, you've got to have your own opinions and you've yeah. got to formulate your own opinions. I don't want to sway anyone either way. Yeah. But equally, nobody's going to be swaying me on mine. Well, we all, all we want, Chris, ultimately, the ownership issue is, is, is rendered completely moot by success on the pitch. Yeah. Um, and the, what it boils down to, and this is this is why this is why what I hate and this is why I don't like talking too much about this stuff because you can't it can't be answered and it, it's too, and it's you're better you're better off planting yourself in the in the negative camp because I, I, we've said this before because you're more likely to not win anything in a season than you are to yeah. win something considering how competitive so many competitions are. If Liverpool Liverpool just need to win some fucking silverware. You know, and get themselves back at the top, back at the top table. If they do that, 
I think most of these criticisms will will die off. I and mean, you know what? Maybe a new own, a new better owners will emerge when Liverpool are a, a, a shinier prospect. The problem is, of course, if you don't believe it's what you'll you'll sit in the thing is that people are going. Well, that will never happen with these owners because they're not prepared to financially back the manager to make things make these things happen on the pitch. And I can see that because, as we've said already, it feels like we are we are slipping away from this mm. these these shining lights, these bits of silver, where these great moments of success and glory are becoming fewer and farther between so I can totally buy into why people might think that it's just like with the problem is with football it's a leap of faith at the moment it's not I don't think it's so bad that we need to get out there we need to get the pitchforks out and we need to get the placards out and we need to start protesting it but if it gets to that stage like I say I'll be I'll be the first one on them yeah I'll be the first one on the front line um but right now let's let's just hope I think what we should all hope whether I hope that no one has such a deep-rooted agenda, one way or the other, that it would that if Liverpool were able to to make a success of it on the pitch with the current or the the, the current change in structure, whatever, that they would continue to think it's shit and needs changing. Hopefully, we can all be unified by if if fingers crossed it starts to work on the pitch, we can all be unified under yeah. that banner for the change because that's what it's all be about. We shouldn't have to worry about ownership. We shouldn't have to worry about who the senior is. It's hard enough worrying about the 11 players on the pitch exactly. and what they're doing, isn't it's it? It's hard enough worrying about what, club, what, you, what your lucky pants are for this week, you know what I mean? It's all that shit. Um, so, yeah, listen, with that, that's been great. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed that, Chris. Um, we will wrap up there. For those of you just listening to the podcast, thank you very much for joining us. Um, more of these coming, of course, on it. Yeah, we're definitely going to try and get it on uh, on iTunes over the next seven days yeah. as well. So thanks for bearing with us on that If we one. do get these on iTunes, uh, please make sure that you give it a five-star rating and leave a review as well the podcast. That would be absolutely magnificent. Um, and, and, if if you, the, and if you can rate it in, in, on this do it on that as well go for it absolutely um, if you are watching us on the redmentv.com stay tuned we're going to be right. answering some more of your questions momentarily but yeah thank you very much <laughs> podcast listeners uh, it's been a pleasure everyone keep their heads up um, and walk on Reds walk on <laughs>